0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. Regular season closed out Sunday afternoon as the Revs dropped a 3-1 result in Atlanta. Darlington Nagby, Joseph Martinez, and Julian Gressel all found the back of the net for the hosts, while Christian Pena scored the Revs' lone goal on the day. Thankfully, the match had little impact on seeding, with TFC winning and Philadelphia losing, and the game was more or less a preview of the first-round matchup we'll see between Atlanta and New England in, the first, uh, in a few weeks. Uh, I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me today is Sean Donahue. Sean, how's it going?
0: You know, I was I was hoping after this uh, this game today we'd be planning a trip down to, to Philadelphia to to see a Revolution playoff game in Philadelphia. So selfishly, a little disappointed with how the day played out. But um, you know, it was a it was an entertaining Revolution game. If a you know, as it turns out, very meaningless game that meant about as much as a as a preseason friendly at the end of it.
1: Yeah. I- you have to think, too, that there wasn't as much intensity as we'll see in two weeks. Um, certainly there was some fireworks at the beginning, but it seemed like the Rebs kind of lacked that sense of urgency of trying to get back. I mean, they they did respond after the first goal, but it seemed like the second half it was kind of inevitable. It seemed more to be about Michael Parkhurst at the end. Um, so hopefully in two weeks there'll be a different type of, um, I don't want to say atmosphere, but a different type of urgency, and uh, hopefully the revs kind of stay in a little bit longer than they did this afternoon, but uh, Sean, what were your key takeaways from uh, today's match?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a couple things you think you can take away from this one. Um, at the same time, though, you, you know, you look at how this game played out, and, um, you know, Bruce Arena's halftime comments about it kind of being too loose, and I, I don't think when you get into a playoff game we're going to see a game kind of as loose and as open as as we saw in this one um, but with that said I do still think there are a few things the revolution can take away from this one um, the first being that the finishing just has to be better um, when you're playing a team like Atlanta United you know you're generally not going to get as many chances as the revolution had in this one and I think that goes to the the point that I just made about it you know being a looser game that you'd expect in the playoffs um, but they had some really good chances Christian Panea uh, scored a great goal, but he should have scored um, before that. Right before Atlanta scored, they had a breakaway that Pania, you know, had two bites at the apple. He first sent it right at Brad Guzan, got, got the ball back, and had a couple defenders between him and the goal, but the goalie was out and didn't finish that one. And then Atlanta goes down the other way and scores. Um, and then Pania had another chance later on where you know he was called offside, but it was a, a kind of a sitter that he wide albeit it was you know fast play but you know he's a guy that likes to do better with that I thought Pani actually if you ignore the finishing had a fantastic game today he was everywhere he created a lot of chances for himself and others um, but I think it's kind of been a theme over the the last few months of the season that Panini is you know doing really well and getting in great spots and getting some goals but you know probably getting maybe a third of the goals that he should have with with some of the chances he's created um and then you know you look at a guy like joseph martinez and and the opportunities he has and how he runs between the defense and and finishes off even after he's been off for you know a long layoff you you could see his quality tonight and you know compare that to a guy like like till bunbury who had three shots tonight and um, you know, actually set up the the first goal for Pania. So you know, he didn't have a terrible game, but um, you know, obviously a different caliber when you're looking at a, a Joseph Martinez versus a, a Teal Bunbury. Um, so that was just my take. My first takeaway from this game was that the Revolution need to find a way to, to finish their chances. And Pania is not the the only target um, that that should have done better in this one. I thought um, Brandon by had a you know absolute sitter where he kind of had an, an empty net that he just rushed too much and, and shot over the over the goal. So that was uh, disappointing, especially you know as we've talked about before the revolution kind of have brandon by as more of a, a winger than a, a fullback for most of the game so if they're going to play him in that position he's going to kind of skirt his defensive duties um you really need somebody like him to, to put that chance away so that was a disappointing moment for the revolution um but but overall there were just a, a number of chances in this one where the revolution you know probably should have had three goals in this one and maybe this game should have ended you know three three or four three atlanta because atlanta you know missed some chances that they wouldn't normally miss either um but you know it was just a, a reminder that when you're playing a team of the quality of Atlanta, you can't waste chance after chance and expect to take points away. Yeah,
1: and looking at Stats Zone, uh, they have they say the Revs had four big chances while Atlanta had two big chances. So um, I mean, I know that's not an exact measurement, but then you also look at shots on target. Revs had four, uh, Atlanta had nine, uh, and Atlanta had 19 shots, and the Revs had 16. So yeah, I think this you can kind of look back on this game, and you know it looks a little lopsided, a three-one game, uh, but. You know, when you consider the chances that the revs missed, um, you know, it's not like they weren't getting their opportunities. They just weren't converting on them. And I can't imagine we're going to see many changes in this lineup. I think this is the same lineup that we're going to see in two weeks. Um, so and, and I think Christian Pania is going to be a key part of this team that, you know, they're going to need him for those counterattacks. Um, they're going to need Teal Bunbury for those counterattacks, too. So and, and as you say, they'll probably start Brandon by up on the wing as well. So it really comes down to just converting your chances and, and making them making them count against a team that's really, really hard to, to face at home. Uh, so, yeah, um, my key takeaway actually is going to be a person that you mentioned. It's not going to be on the revs, though. And it's Joseph Martinez. And, um, you know, we were a little surprised to see him starting. You know, he's been out of the lineup. Recently, we kind of thought maybe we would see him for a few minutes and maybe he'd get a test run. And, um, you know, coming up to this week, I know we've gotten a lot of questions, Sean's about would you rather face Philadelphia or Atlanta, assume Joseph Martinez is out or jo- assume Joseph Martinez will be playing. Um, and I think that answers a lot of those questions with his performance today. Um, a full 90 minutes. He was very effective, a goal and an assist, 87% passing. He had five shots, um, although only two were on target. But still, he made a massive impact on this game that I don't think you know, can be replaced. Uh, so I think knowing that the Revs are going into Atlanta and they are going to have to face 90 minutes of Joseph Martinez, or at least a fully healthy Joseph Martinez, what it, what it, what it appears like. Um, I think that is a worst case scenario for the revolution, uh, compared to maybe playing against Atlanta without Joseph Martinez or going to Philadelphia. Um, I I think we were surprised to see him in the lineup starting. Um, but, uh, he he certainly showed that whatever injury concerns uh, he he had previously, uh, I, I, I think he's going to be ready to go in two weeks.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great point. He was fantastic. He didn't look he looked 100 percent healthy. He didn't look like a guy coming off of an injury um, and, you know. A guy of that quality he was the, the top scorer in the league last year, broke all those records now was records have been broken by Carlos Vela today, but uh, still even with injuries this year and with what was you know at the beginning of the year a down year for Atlanta United, uh, he still finished in the top three, so you can't underestimate his quality but you know when you when you talk to joseph martinez that that kind of goes to what what was my other takeaway that i that I almost let off with, and that's the the revolution defense um, really. Gave him way too many opportunities. um there are a couple times where Andrew Farrell and, and Dale May kind of let him slide in between them, and when, you know when you have a team like Atlanta with the quality, they have guys like Julian Gressel who can you know, as as you saw a few times today, just play that perfect pass to split the defense. um somebody really needs to be a lot closer to Joseph Martinez to kind of intercept that ball or or find a way to make that not happen because you know Farrell caught up to him and on one play uh, at one point in this game, but you know Joseph Martinez is a guy that I don't think Antonio De La May is going to catch up to. And, and more often than not, if he gets behind the defense, he's probably going to score. Um, and they're just time and time again where we found ways to kind of split the defense or play off Farrell's back or De La Mea's back or break an offside trap. And, you know, when you have someone of his quality, there has to be somebody on him at all times, I think, to for the Revolution to you know, really have a chance at, at beating Atlanta United.
1: Yeah, absolutely agree. And another thing, too, that I'll, I'll you, you mentioned the defense, too. Um, one weak spot that I. I... Think might be an issue is that, you know, we've been talking about Julian Annie Baba on the left side, and I thought Julian Gressel had an amazing game. Um, I know Andy Baba, we've talked about him kind of pinching in a little bit and it seemed like Russell is taking advantage of all that space out there and he's certainly uh, three three key passes today two assists uh, he had that amazing goal which I, I don't think he could do a whole lot more on uh, but you know cons- for example that first goal he had where he slides the ball perfectly to Donnington Um, I, I think that's a big weak spot for the revolution I think Julian Anibaba is still getting used to that kind of left-back spot and I think this is was really the first week um, he's had someone as dangerous as Julian Russell kind of on that right flank so so I'm curious to see if they still roll out Jaleel Baba in two weeks or maybe if they go with Dewan Jones, um, who I, I don't have a whole lot of – I don't want to say confidence in him, but um, uh, it, it's kind of a pick-your-poison situation because I think Julian Gressel on Annie Baba or Dewan Jones is a bit of a mismatch.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that completely. And honestly, as much as we talked about how good um, Joseph Martinez was in this game, I think if I was voting for a man of the match, it would probably be Julian Gressel. He had a, just a fantastic game. Um, obviously, a guy that went to Providence College, so has New England ties. But he just played amazingly well uh, in this one. And and you're right, Jalen Baba, you know, he— was decent a week ago, but I didn't think he looked very good at left back in this game. Um, with that said, as as you said earlier in the podcast, I do think this is the lineup we're going to see in two weeks. Um, you know, I'd actually be very surprised to see Bruce to make any changes to this lineup, including at left back. Um, so I think what we saw today, you know, eleven wise is what we're going to see out there, and maybe there'll be some some shifts and in, in tactics and in how they actually play. But I think that's the lineup that we're going to see going forward. Um, and I think this game was used to kind of build continuity. And even with you know Baba not having the best game, um, I don't think anyone played in a way that you know given the the overall way they played this season would lead to them being dropped uh, for, for for somebody else in the lineup so um you know they're gonna have to find a way to you know keep that continuity going from this game and, and find a way to fix those those issues like you said the left back issue and like i was talking about earlier the kind of the holes in the in the central defense where joseph martinez was able to play off de La May and Farrell and, and find ways to get in behind them and, and, and kind of ruin their offside trap attempts
1: and uh, another person we, we're Shifting from the defense to the offense, um, one person that I'm a little bit, I don't want to say concerned about, but I think needs to have a better performance going into this Atlanta game is Gustavo Bowe. Um, You know, we've seen how important Gustavo Bo is uh, and how he has pulled the Revs, uh, you know, out from the depths of, of falling behind and uh, able to salvage a pointer or salvaging all three points. Um, today, largely ineffective, 61.3% pass accuracy. He had three shots. All of them were blocked. Um, he was eight for eighteen passing uh, in the attacking third, and mm-hmm. zero for one inside the penalty area. He might have had a chance uh, in the early in that game when Christian Pena uh, had had that. First uh, chance of the game where he he tried dancing around Guzan and kind of bobbled the ball. It looked like he could have slid the ball off to Bo, and Bo could have put it home pretty easily. Um, but outside of that, Gustavo Bo was pretty quiet on the day. Um, do you expect Gustavo Bo to have a better match uh, in two weeks against Atlanta, or are you just as concerned as me?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's one of the guys that probably more than than anyone could— uh, use the week off to, to have the two weeks between this game and the next game. You know, he, he missed that game a few weeks ago or came off the bench a few weeks ago with an injury and then, you know, went the full 90 in this one and, and played significant minutes in the, the week before. So I think if, if there's anyone on this Revolution team that could, could benefit from two weeks off, it's it's probably him. Um, but yeah, the, the game today was kind of worrying. Atlanta kind of did neutralize Gustavo Bowe um, you know, didn't really threaten the goal very much in this game. Uh, so, you know, he's a guy that the Revolution count on to, to score goals in big moments. And, you know, if they're going to go go anywhere in the playoffs, they're probably going to need some goals out of Gustavo bow But I, I'm not too worried. I think, if anything, you know these two weeks will be good for him to to get back into into full shape and um you know he is 29 years old he's not one of the youngest guys on the team and he came in mid-season you know after playing in mexico so he, he could probably use the a little bit of time off to to adjust but you know i do agree that this wasn't one of his better games but i'm not too concerned about it
1: yeah and, and Carlos seal too i think could use a day off he, he certainly had a pretty decent performance two shots one shot on target 83 percent pass accuracy he had a few key passes i don't have the exact number in front of me but um seal still had a, a bit of a Pretty, pretty solid impact on the game, but because, that, because Sabo Bo, when he is shut down, um, very, very quiet. It, it's very difficult for him to kind of break out, whereas Carly Seal it seems like, uh, is still able to have a decent impact on the game when things aren't moving very well. Um, one other player that might need a, a bit of a rest going into this uh, Atlanta game, and one person that you want to see more involvement from overall, I would say, is Luis Caicedo. He had one shot that was off target. 86% pass accuracy, but that was only 14 passes. He only had 22 touches in his 58 minutes today. He was also one for four on tackles with one interception and one clearance uh, and a yellow card. He had three fouls committed overall. Um, uh, Not much to say other than... You know, hopefully Luis Caicedo gets a little bit more involved in that game, but uh, Diego Fagundes comes on and has three key passes, 38 touches uh, in the final 32 minutes of the game. Um, you know that that's a sub that they've been making um, a few times this year, but it seemed like the Revs had a little bit uh, more, I don't know, fluidity, I guess, uh, with Diego Fagundes in the lineup. Um, Sean, any thoughts on Diego Fagundes' performance today?
0: yeah and I'll touch on Caicedo first you know I, I was surprising to me when I saw the end of the, the game. we only had twenty two touches usually he is is much more involved and you know you almost wonder if he picked up that early yellow card and that the tackle he got the yellow card and was a you know pretty clear yellow not a not a good tackle by him um but you almost wonder if he got that yellow card and kind of pulled back in his Uh, Involvement in the game to try to avoid getting a second one and potentially be suspended for the playoffs. Um, But, you know, ignoring that possibility, it was a disappointing performance for him. Somebody that usually is kind of involved in every aspect of the game really wasn't in this one. So, um, you know, he's another guy that I think the Revolution need to perform really well if they're going to go anywhere in the playoffs. Um, But, you know, he's also another guy that I I expect this is kind of a one off situation. And, you know, going into Atlanta, we'll see more out of him. Um, But as far as Diego Fagundes goes, I think it's kind of the the opposite, where, um, you know, there's been a lot of games this year. Where where Diego has come off the bench or you know played and hasn't had that much of an impact, but um, you know in, in even in situations like this where he's come on for for Caicedo and hasn't done as much as you would have liked to him to do, um, he was actually really good off the bench in this game. Um, one of the leaders on the Revolution in touches, despite or in passes anyways, despite um, only playing you know limited minutes, he actually had ninety four point three percent passes. He led the Revolution in key passes, um, so heavily involved in the offense. Um, and he attempted 35 passes, so that 94.3% isn't based on a, on a small number. He was actually third on the Revolution in, in passes attempted after only uh, Carles Heal and, and Wilfred Zahibo. So, um, for a, as little you know involvement as Luis Casado had, Diego Fagundes came on for the last 32 minutes and, and he was kind of everywhere on the offense. I think this was a game that probably suited him well in that role off the bench because you know the Revolution were really trying to push for a goal and, and sacrificing on defense a bit, down 3-1. to one. Um, But Really, just a, a good job for Fagundes given the situation and, and what he did coming into this game, and um, you know probably gives some some confidence to Bruce Arena, where if the Revolution were to go into a game um, and kind of trailing late to to bring Diego on to that. You know, kind of number eight role in, in more of an offensive position to to help out the revolution's offense because this was, you know, one of his better performances um off the bench this year, I thought.
1: Yeah, and what's interesting too is that Matt Doyle had a column earlier this week that I, I think kind of made some waves uh on on Twitter. Uh I know that Jeff Lemieux mentioned it on the Far Post podcast where he's he's Matt Doyle said that um the Rebs are not a team that is really built from to to play from behind. And part of me thinks about the res bench and how we've talked about how they kind of have a lack of attacking options. You know, you have Juan Agudelo, you have Juan Fernando Caicedo, you have Diego Fagundes, and all of those are kind of good supporting pieces, but no one really kind of stokes fear in their opponents. Um, and so, you know, for Diego Fagundes to kind of come on uh, as kind of an offensive option for Luis Caicedo and kind of have this game, um, you know, I-, I think that's a big difference maker if you can get a performance like this off of the bench uh, in, in a game of need. Um, again, I think today might have been a little bit, I don't know, less urgent than say a playoff game. So I'm not taking many conclusions from this afternoon against Atlanta. Uh, But overall, I I do think that this was a good performance from Diego uh, and hopefully it kind of, instills some confidence into him going into the playoffs because I think we need that guy coming off the bench if we're behind and I think the person to come off the bench and uh, be kind of a playmaker or someone that could have an impact of the game from an offensive side I, I think the clear answer to that is Diego Fagundes uh, with with all due respect to Juan Agudelo and uh, Juan Fernando Casedano I don't think anyone else can really change the game like Diego can if he's playing at his best so um, Sean, well, that's kind of summarized today's game uh, against Atlanta. Let's kind of look forward to the playoff game in two weeks, uh, also against Atlanta. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, are you concerned? How, how do you assess the Revolution's chances chances going to the first round of the playoffs?
0: Yeah, and going back to what I said earlier and you, what you were saying about how you can't take too much away from this game, um, you know, what you can take away is kind of the individual errors, and, you know, finishing certainly is an individual error, um, and some of the defensive errors you saw certainly are, are individual errors, and, and kind of seeing that at this stage of the season. Um, can be disappointing uh, from the Revolution, certainly. So you know, like I said, I think the the Revolution played pretty well in this game. I think up until that third goal, they were they were very much in this game. Um, they had opportunities to go ahead several times. They you know, they should have gone ahead in the second or third minute before Atlanta scored their first goal. Um, and there were you know other times when pania and Brandon Baye should have should have put them either ahead or or, re- or equalized for the Revolution at that point. Um, so there are some positives to take from this game. The Revolution never really looked out of place. I do think they, to a certain extent, after that third goal, fell apart a little bit. And and you know when you bring out bring out Andy Baba and are playing with a natural left back, and you know when you bring out Luis Casado and, and bring in Diego Fagundes, you're really going forward offensively and defensively. You are going to have holes at that point. Um, so I think the Revolution showed when you know all things being equal, they were a team that could hang with Atlanta United. Uh, but at the same time, there were those worrying moments when you know Joseph Martinez, who again is coming off a long layoff, so even though he you know looked very good, um, he'll probably look even better in two weeks. Uh, that's a, a worrying sign for me, but there was nothing from this game that told me the Revolution couldn't go into Atlanta and get an upset. Um, there was also nothing from this game that told me Atlanta wouldn't still be the you know big favorites going into that matchup. Um, so I think the Revolution, you know, with a a, a loss that they played you know decently well in can can take some confidence um but i also think this is this is a good game for bruce arena to have kind of seen those mistakes the team was making defensively um and use that as a teaching tool going in two weeks to, to help the revolution kind of shore it up and, and find a way to to neutralize you know both julian gressel who is you know playing good passes all day and and uh joseph martinez who is finding more space than you would like to see him find
1: yeah i, I agree 100 percent and um you know, I do think too, I mean, we're talking about the revolution missing some chances too. It should be noted that as, as usual, Matt Turner made some pretty amazing saves in this game, especially early on. He seemed to really keep the revs in this game. Um, you know, if Matt Turner does not have a solid game, uh, which, you know, God forbid, uh, you know, maybe Atlanta puts this one away a little bit earlier. So this game could have been a little bit worse. Could have been a lot better for the revolution, Um, but you're right. They're certainly within the kind of range where if the revolution can come out and give their best performance and finish their chances, uh, I think they could take this game in in regulation, Um, but I I certainly wouldn't make them the favorites. So uh, we do have a question on Discord from Gustavo Bo is the best striker. He says, was Bruce Arena being coy tonight and not showing his hand because he knew we were coming back in two weeks? Um, which kind of goes into what we were talking about a little bit with the lineup and all that. Um, I, I personally don't think there, there were many things that Bruce didn't show tonight. I, I think that the team that we got um, is probably the lineup that we're going to get, and the tactics might be a little similar. There might be some tweaks here and there, uh, but I think Bruce Arena was certainly trying to win this game even if it wasn't a um playoff type mentality i'll, I'll put it that way uh sean you have anything to add to that
0: no I, I completely agree i think this is you know almost certain that this is going to be the lineup we see in two weeks um you know barring an injury um i think bruce arena looked at this game as great preparation for the playoffs he looked at you know the, the fact that the revolution do have two weeks off between this game and the next game and and you know as we talked about last week to me if you you know were to rest your starters for this game that'd be a big mistake because i think you know three three weeks without a competitive game. Um, um, that isn't a you know good situation for rest that's a situation that leads it to a team being rusty um but i thought bruce arena went out there trying to win this game i thought he put out his best 11 um you know for this season and i thought he you know, did everything he could tactics wise to to try to get a result and you know it, it, there were it could have worked if you know if if uh, Christian Pena puts away those chances, if Brandon Bay puts away his chance, um, it, it could have worked. So I don't think there was much hidden by Bruce Arena in this one, but I do think that, you know, he's going to have to look at this game and, and see why Julian Russell managed to get the space to play those passes, why Joseph Martinez managed to get so open, um, you know, a few too many times and, and find a way to, to mark those guys more out of the game. Uh, both of them have so much talent, you can't completely mark them out of the game, but um, you do have to find a way to, to get them a little bit less involved than they were in this one. Um, but, you know, I, I really don't think Bruce Arena was was trying to hide anything, and and the way he played this game.
1: Uh, Gustavo Bo on Discord also asks us, uh, is Julian Gressel now Brandon Bay's dad? Uh, Which I think if you compare Julian Gressel to Brandon Bay's game, there was a pretty stark difference between the two. Uh, You mentioned Brandon Bay missed a few chances earlier uh, in the podcast. Um, Overall, Brandon Bay had about 74% pass accuracy. He did have four ball recoveries and wasn't dispossessed once, but three for five on tackles, one interception, three blocks, three clearances, two of which were headed uh, assess Brandon Buys game. I think a lot of people are um I don't want to say worry, but they might think that Brandon by is a bit of a weak spot uh, on this revolution team. And certainly uh, he'll, he'll get some flack for missing those uh, shots early in the game, but he still had two chances created in this game. So um, what are your thoughts on brand Bae? and Do you think that's the weak spot on the revolution?
0: Yeah. And I do. I, mean, I think we talked about dealing Bob at left back. I think that's a, you know, potentially another weak spot, um, but just fullback in general. Uh, it, but at the same time, I'm not sure you can call Brandon by a fullback for the way he's playing under Bruce arena. It's intentional. Uh, I think, but, um, he's he's more playing as kind of that right midfielder that's kind of filling in the space when when Carley's heel cuts inside and, and providing width and you know he does a good job to get himself into into good positions um, but the final play the final ball just isn't there the shot's not there I think one of those chances created I haven't looked but I'm, I'm assuming it's that one that that led to a Carly's heel shot and, and that one actually was kind of a flubbed cross that I think was intended for Bunbury but you know bounced in the box and, and fortuitously landed to, to Carley's heels feet but I'm not sure if he deserves that much credit for that one. Um, I actually didn't think he had a, a, a bad game, you know, minus that. Uh, minus, you know, the, the kind of the flub chances and the the flubbed crosses. Um, I thought, you know, he was pretty active and, and got involved in his, his passing accuracy. I, it, it felt a bit better. Let me see what it is. I have it up somewhere. Yeah, it was 73.9%, which for him uh, is better than usual. Um, so I didn't think it was a terrible game. And I think, you know, given where the Revolution are in the season, he needs to be their their starter for the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, it is a weak spot for the Revolution. And it is something we need to address in the offseason. Um, and, you know, I, I do think he deserves to be you know criticized for missing you know, what was pretty much an, an open net, um, and that chance that I think at the time would have, would have tied the game for the revolution. So um, you know, he's, he's, he's a guy that can, can add to your offense, but doesn't do it consistent, consistently enough where I think what you're giving up on defense to to play him that way, um, makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. And I agree. And I wonder too, if Dewan Jones, who I know is kind of the reserve outside back. Um, and I know that, um, well, we'll, we'll, get to the news in the week earlier, but it seems like there'll be a little less competition at left back for the revolution next season. But I wonder if Dewan Jones will go look at right back because it seems like, Duan Jones has a bit more speed and pace than uh Brandon bai. And Brandon Bay, the appeal to him was that ability to cross and send in some crosses, some some low crosses. But really, I mean, you have to kind of play him up. You have to play him as a right mid, right wing type um I, I, it's not really paying dividends and I think we've been waiting two years. So I wonder how solid Brandon by spot on this team is uh, for 2020, or if that's a spot they look to upgrade or if they move Andrew Farrell back or if they move to Juan Jones there. Um, there's a lot of things they can do. Um, but yeah, Brandon by, week after week it seems like he just can't really piece it together uh and he, he might put in an okay performance but um he, he never puts in a performance that is really stellar and um you know as you say uh you're not getting a whole lot offensively for what you're giving up defensively so uh also i want to mention this really quickly because uh, jonathan seal just tweeted this out a few minutes ago uh but andrew farrell had another great week uh finished with one block, two tackles, four interceptions, four clearances, and eight ball recoveries. Uh, And Andrew Farrell, of course, made the team of the week last week. Uh, So it should be noted that Andrew Farrell is still nailing it down at center back, uh, still had a pretty solid week overall. Uh, So even though there are some questions about that defense, Andrew Farrell is still uh, a bit of a rock um, on that back line. So, uh, yeah, there was one positive I think you can take away defensively this week. So
0: On that note, I I still think, the communication between De La Maya and Farrell in this game could have been better.
1: Oh, sure, 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 sure. Uh, how, how do you? Well, yeah. I, I mean, I guess at this point they can't really go away from De La Maya. You're not going to go to Mancini, and you can't really bring in Annie Baba at this point. But um, yeah, I, I mean, that's that's the best. <laughs> that's the defensive pairing we're going into the playoffs with. Uh, you know, we're we're rolling the dice with it. Seems, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not as confident as I was last week Sean. no
0: they they've had their their moments. i think I think this game, you know, if anything perhaps made you you know despite the finishing, perhaps made you more confident in the offense because even though you know you talked about Gustavo Bono having a great game, the team created a lot of chances despite that. So you know it, it probably made you more confident in the offense going into the playoffs. But uh, there were just a lot of holes in that defense. and you know you mentioned Farrell had a good performance, he did, but Um, at the same time, you know, a couple of those times, Joseph Martinez got free and, and, you know, some of those times he recovered and and saved it. Um, you know, maybe in the first place, he should have been a little bit tighter on Joseph Martinez. So, uh, you know, it's, it's it's one of those games that again, was much more open than a playoff game is going to be, but, you know, individual errors from defenders against a team like Atlanta, uh, with the quality of finishers they have, you know, as we saw from Russell, as we saw from Joseph Martinez, um, you know, pity Martinez didn't start this game, but, you know, he's another guy that if he comes off the bench or, or starts in the playoffs, um, you know, is really good at putting away chances. So, um, it's, you know, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm less confident in, this, in the team's defense after this performance than uh, maybe I was a, a, a week ago.
1: And it should be no too, looking ahead to the playoffs because we talked about all the different types of scenarios last week. Uh, just to be kind of clear about the Revolution's path, uh, if they were to make a deep playoff run uh, as the seventh seed, they are going to go at Atlanta two weeks from now in the first round of the playoffs and then they would have to face the winner of Philadelphia TFC and then they would have to face whoever comes out of that one slash four slash five seed which would you know if you are it's actually Philadelphia
0: Red Bulls now that with the crazy results that happened today the Red Bulls dropped down from the fourth seed to the sixth seed
1: oh great well now I look stupid well let's see let me amend that for all of our listeners because i know you're not going to edit this out after i look stupid <laughs> of course not <laughs> oh my goodness sean oh
0: goodness this De- decision day was exciting
1: yes no you're right you're right yeah yeah boy the red bulls really fell hard huh uh yeah so the red bulls lost so it'll be at atlanta and then at the winner of philadelphia or red bulls which i i, I don't know i might would ra- I almost would rather play toronto I-
0: I mean before this weekend yes but the, the the way these games played out i mean red bulls you know with a home playoff spot on the line against a montreal team that had nothing but pride to play for lost three to nothing i mean that doesn't give you too much confidence going to the playoffs for the red bulls and then philadelphia um you know with the second seat on the line maybe a little bit less important uh losing at home two to one in new york city fc so i before this week i would i would agree with you i would you know have rather played toronto the way they were playing but you know toronto got the job done this weekend and new york and and uh, Philadelphia really didn't um, and kind of did so in disappointing fashion, um, embarrassing fashion in the case of, of, New York, I would say. So, you know, I, I, you almost watch these weekends games and think if the revolution do get upset against Atlanta, it's a bit less intimidating um, going into Red Bull arena or going into, to play Philadelphia at Town on stadium. Um, then perhaps it, it would be to, to go up against, um, you know, Toronto FC based on their result this weekend. So, um, Again, I think Atlanta's probably the worst team to face out of all these teams you mentioned, so getting past them is is going to be the, the most difficult part.
1: Yes, yes. And I mean, if I could pick and choose who I want want uh, in that four, five, six, I think it'd be easy uh, team to pick is D.C. United, who have kind of slid uh, throughout the second half of this Eastern Conference. And uh, there are a few players that are going to be leaving that club uh, in the off season too. So it might be a bit of a lame duck team that might not be putting the best effort out there. But uh, regardless, uh, it'll be Atlanta and then at Philly or uh, Red Bulls, uh, and then whoever comes out of that one slash four slash five seed bracket, which is New York City FC, Toronto FC and D.C. United. I I, I would imagine New York City FC, who has home field advantage at City Field or wherever they're going to play uh, with their one uh, 11 wins, one loss and five ties uh, with their home record. I, I imagine that New York City FC will be coming out of that side of the bracket. So um, the Revs just have to make it through at Atlanta. Probably at Philadelphia and at new york City FC so hey, they can do it right
0: what's what's terrible is that those are both games that you know if the revolution were at Philadelphia or at New York, where you could get a good group of traveling fan support to go down there for an important playoff game if they weren 't midweek games its It's really unfortunate that the scheduling worked out um, from MLS that the first round. Uh, is on a weekend and then every other game up until MLS Cup is on a weekday uh, because those are some great regional rivalries where, you know, the Midnight Riders and the Rebellion and, you know, the Revs Army would probably put together a good traveling group to go down there. And yeah, I can't imagine that's going to happen for a Wednesday night game.
1: Yeah, that is true. Um, yeah, that that playoff schedule is a bit brutal. So uh, it should also be noted, too, that of these uh, remaining teams uh, or, or of the, those top three teams, Atlanta has the most home wins Uh, out of those three teams they have 12 wins at home uh, two losses and three ties so um, very very strong home team as we saw today Uh, and they seem to have gotten better as the season goes on and they'll be at full strength with joseph martinez so um, odds are against the revolution to go in but as they they had a bit of a nice warm-up today so hopefully they can make some corrections and go into this matchup
0: in two weeks uh, and steal one uh, on the road in the deep south yeah, and when you talk about Atlanta's home record, uh, one of those losses and two of those draws came in, I think, their first three or four home games when they started off really struggling. So since you know, since the first couple games, I think there's something like the 12-1-1 or 11-1-1. Um, so they've just gotten better and better at home as the season's gone on.
1: They've come a long way from Deboer out. So yes, uh, <laughs> uh, we can't uh, let this week go without talking about the Revs' uh, potential transaction this week. Uh, it will have no impact on the playoffs because the roster freeze is already done. But uh, and, and this is the first time I'll get to mispronounce this guy's name on our podcast. Uh, but Alexander Butner, Butner, you uh, I, I know,
0: we'll, we'll go uh, with that.
1: Okay, I'm I not going to question it. <laughs> Former Manchester United player, so I, I should know it, but I, I've been reading a lot about him. And I haven't heard his name said yet, but uh, he has uh, reportedly signed a two-year deal with the Revolution with a team option for a third. 30-year-old left back who most uh, uh, recently played in the Netherlands. Uh, he has spent time with Manchester United, Dynamo Moscow. Uh, he's been throughout Europe. Um Obviously would be a big signing for the revolution at a hole that they've been trying to fill year after year after year uh, between Edgar Castillo and Gabriel Somi, uh, Chris Tierney. It seems like they have just had a revolving door of left backs um, that has a time been filled by uh, players being played out of position like Julia Lani Baba and Dewan Jones and Brandon by and Kellen Rowe. Uh, so it seems like they're not messing around. Uh, they're going out and signing uh, a left back that will kind of nail that Nail that position down for the 2020 season. Um, Sean, do you have any thoughts on this signing? Uh, And and we don't know any contract terms yet. I would imagine this is not a designated player signing. I imagine this would be a TAM signing, though. Uh, I imagine he'll have a bit of a high contract, probably around, actually, where we saw Gabriel Somi, which, if I remember correctly, was the uh, $400,000 range. So. Sean, any any thoughts on this signing uh, for the Revolution?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm making the same assumptions as you, contract wise. If this was a DP, I think my my thoughts would be different. Um, and you know, the other thing I'll add is I'm disappointed you left out Claude Dielno when you were talking about the Revs' makeshift left backs. Uh, but but I think this is, is a good signing for the Revolution to get an experienced left back in here. Um, a, a guy who you know, with Gabriel Somi, he was a guy who was on the on the outside of his team and was you know. Or a guy that was losing playing time at his current team and, and not playing at as high of a level as uh butner has been playing at um you know so uh, again butner is a free agent he hasn't been playing himself since the the end of the european season um so by the time he plays for the revolution i think he'll be you know what six six months probably without without playing i believe is that is that the situation of, of his contract i think um right. yeah so you know, I think it's a good signing for the Revolution. If it's a TAM player, it makes a lot of sense. Left back's been a huge issue for the Revolution. You know, he'll turn 31 before the season starts. That's not too old. It's you know younger than Edgar Castillo. Um, you know, unfortunately for the Revolution, Edgar Castillo didn't work out. Um, you know, I, I, we've talked before about Dewan Jones and his potential, but I, I don't think he's really the answer for the Revolution at left back, at least not for the the short term future. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a big move for the Revolution to shore up a position that you know the Revolution need a lot of help in. So um you know curious to see what he does for the revs but you know on paper at least it looks like a really good signing
1: yeah and it should be noted that he he, made, he did make 29 appearances uh for uh his club in the netherlands last year um so he he was getting full playing time too i'm also reading too i, I just googled his name so apparently uh celtic was trying to sign him and he turned them down to come to the revolution so um i i think this is the bruce arena effect where players now want to come and play for the revolution uh which is a bit of an uh odd feeling but um I, yeah I, I agree with everything you said uh, i think they're paying a bit of a premium here for him but overall um i mean it, it's it's a position that has been a headache for the revolution and it's good to see these things being addressed immediately i know that in years past uh, we've kind of been waiting uh in the off seasons to see how certain polls are going to be filled and how uh certain weak spots are going to be addressed and a lot of times we wait until january and february until we hear word uh, of a of a signee that uh uh, you know coming in or or not signing or whatnot uh and and in the case of a a certain uh rumored designated player uh we had to wait four months into the season until we found out that he didn't want to play for the revolution brad Friedle anymore so uh it's great to hear that you know in november or october or september uh we're already have our first signing locked up uh, in the uh, in the in the season, and it should be noted too that uh, Julian Cardillo noted that um when uh, Butner came in uh for training for a uh, tryout basically in september uh, he heard that uh, Butner had a very very good um, open tryout or fitness training or however you want to say, so uh, he's apparently in very very good shape even with all this time off uh between the summer and now so um yeah it'll probably be a, an expensive signing for a left back and I know we we're not big fans of uh, shelling out cash for, for a back line. But um, I, I think this is a sign that the revolution needed to make. Uh, and it should be noted, too, that Claude Dialna is going to be a free agent again, Sean. So there is a possibility
0: of a reunion. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And looking at uh, who scored, because they they keep track of uh, key characteristics of players based on their statistical output, um, it's interesting that Butner is noted as being very strong in defensive contribution, which uh, people would not say was the case for the Revolution's current back when healthy, Edgar Castillo. Um, also strong in crossing key passes and taking set pieces weak though in tackling and discipline and the discipline part might be a bit concerning um but he's a guy that you know last year you mentioned he had i think 29 starts um, passing accuracy was 76.4 percent had five primary assists two goals um did have one red card um, only one red card but seven yellow cards um so just kind of a preview of what you might get from him. an average of shot per game which is you know, kind of high for a left back so um you know Based on that, it looks like he's somebody that will help the Revolution out defensively and also can you know, serve in a good cross at times.
1: And it should be noted, too, though, uh, he'll be turning 31 in February. So a little bit of a concern there. But um, as I say, I think this guy is extremely talented. Um, and obviously, anyone that's played for Manchester United uh, coming and, and playing for a, uh, the, the Revolution, I, I think is um, you know <laughs> it's good to bring that kind of experience to MLS. So. Uh Sean, that kind of wraps us up this week. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap it up here?
0: Well, the, the one other thing worth mentioning is that we've heard rumors and sort of confirmations, but I think we finally got a real confirmation or at least uh, close to that from The Athletic that the Revolution are going to have a USL League One team. Uh, next year and uh, allegedly they're going to be playing at Gillette Stadium which is interesting because I don't know um, how much it's going to cost to open up Gillette Stadium to host a USL League one team game that I can't imagine is going to have a, a very good attendance um, so we'll see if that changes but that is that is big news for the revolution um, because as we've talked about a lot of times on the show there are a lot of young talent on the revolution that just aren't getting minutes and um, some of them have been loaned out but other ones haven't been loaned out and you know Make the Revolution 18, but don't play. Um, So that'll be a a huge thing for the Revolution next year to to have all those guys actually be able to stay with the first team and get USL League One minutes. Um, So that that along with the the left back news, that is the other big news that came out for the Revolution this week.
1: Yeah, and I know that in the past the Revs have preferred to keep players local i know that's why the um, affiliation in rochester broke down where the revs weren't able to train with their players and assess their players uh, i know that in the case of cody cropper he's still training with the revs while going down and playing for hartford uh, on the weekends but guys like brian wright and zach Haravo, you wonder if um, the chances of them being re-signed with the revs uh, or you know being installed in the revs future plans um, if that's if that's harmed by the fact that they are training you know thousands of miles away and the, you know bruce arena doesn't get to see them every single day so i, I think the positive of, of this team uh, at least playing in foxborough they could play in providence or somewhere else or worcester or wherever but um i i do think that a lot of this is rooted in the fact that they want the um the usl side and the, basically a reserve side uh training with bruce arena having a close eye on them and uh sending players back and forth Uh, depending on need and depending on skill level. So overall, I think it's going to be a a really welcomed addition. Uh, You know, in just a few short months under Bruce Arena, not only has the team turned around, but they have a a training and academy program. Uh, They have a USL side. Uh, There are a lot of good things going uh, for the revolution in terms of player development, which I think has been really, really lacking for New England uh, in the past few years. So uh, more good news this week from the revolution. I think we all kind of expected uh, it coming eventually, but... Uh, just more confirmation of it this week. Uh, so very exciting for the revolution.
0: Yeah. And, and one more shout out before I wrap up, you mentioned Michael Parkhurst um, worth mentioning again, that this is his last regular season game for Atlanta United. So it was good to see him kind of get the, the send off there coming off the bench and, and all the, the cheering that um, the Atlanta United, United fans had for him. Um, I, I think there. To me, there's no doubt at all that he was the, the best Revolution defender in, in team history, um, and uh, obviously a Rhode Island product as well. Um, disappointing for Revolution fans that he didn't get to finish his career in New England, and that when he you know, came back to MLS from abroad. Um, you know the, the story was that he didn't really want to come back to the revs uh, but obviously when the revolution were at their best in the the mid to well really the mid 2000s um, he was such a key player for them and, and made that 3-5-2 formation work when they were playing that um, and you know just a, a phenomenal player and really a class act on and off the field one of the one of the nicest guys in the in the locker room and always good for a, a post-game interview whether or not the revolution won or lost so um, congratulations to him on a great career and you uh, you know, while, while the, the Revolution will be doing their best to, to win next week or two weeks from now against Atlanta United, it'll be um, good to to get another chance to see Michael Parker's play against the Revolution um, with the, the phenomenal career that he's had.
1: Yeah, hopefully his last regular season game and last game overall will be against the New England Revolution. So uh, okay. also should mention uh, before we wrap up too that, uh, I, I sent out a tweet earlier, but I just want to reiterate it uh, or earlier in the week after it was announced, Matt Turner made team of the week again. Uh, Matt Turner is the only keeper in MLS with four, uh, appearances on the MLS team of the week. And if you expand to include the bench, he's the only keeper in MLS with five appearances on team of the week. Uh, so, uh, I just wanted to say, uh, Sean, are we in complete agreement that Matt Turner is the MLS goalkeeper of the year?
0: You know, the only hesitation there, and we've discussed this before, is that at the end of the season, he will have played, or it is the end of the season. Now he's, you know, played less than two thirds of the, the revolutions games. Uh, in every other way, I think he's got a fantastic case for goalkeeper of the year. Um, it's just a question of you know whether or not you can vote for a guy that I think is finishes the season having played, I think just under sixty percent of the of the team's game. So blame if he doesn't win goalkeeper of the year, blame Brad Friedel for you know s- screwing around with with other goalkeepers uh, early on in the season and not m- making Matt Turner the the uh, defined starter from the beginning. Um, but certainly his play has been goalkeeper of the year worthy. It's just a, a question to me of you know, can you vote for the guy that's, that's played 60% of the games when there are other guys like Steve Clark and, and Bill Hamid that have strong cases too. And, you know, at least in Bill Hamid's cases has played a, a, a lot more matches this year.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, super disappointing answer. Cause I am uh, 100% sure that Matt Turner should be the goalkeeper of the year, uh, starting to get some public endorsements. Uh, I know uh, Tom Bogart from MLS has said that Matt Turner is the goalkeeper of the year. He gets his vote. Matt Doyle has also said that uh, Matt Turner is the goalkeeper of the year. Uh, there is an issue with, time uh, and and games started there. But uh, I think in the amount of time he has started, he has made up for it. Uh, And I mean, as I say, I think five uh, appearances on team of the week in the last 11 weeks uh, coming down the stretch, he has certainly helped the revolution make the playoffs. Uh, you know, we talk about Gustavo Bob putting this team into the playoff picture and Carlisle play, putting this team into the playoff picture. I think Matt Turner, sometimes uh, people don't realize how amazing of a season he is uh, having, uh, how many points he's kind of saved for the Revs. Uh, but he is certainly up there. And I, I do think it'll come down to minutes played and games started. Uh, and Steve Clark and Bill Hamid also have very strong arguments for goalkeeper of the year. But hoping uh, MLS voters see the light uh, and vote for Matt Turner. So that kind of wraps us up sean where can people uh, find you on twitter
0: yeah you can follow me at sean Donahue
1: and you can follow us on twitter at revolution recap and like our revolution recap page on facebook uh, also please leave us a review on itunes or wherever you're listening we will be enjoying the international break next week like the rest of mls but we will be back in two weeks to break down the atlanta revs rematch hopefully with some better results uh, until then thank you all for listening and go revs